0: My heart is to see our church be helped from the Word of God. Two verses. I started on this thought last Sunday. The thought is transformed. There's this word transformed in our verses that we're going to read. It comes from the Greek word where we get our word metamorphosis, to be changed from one thing to another. Would you agree with me this morning God's in the transforming business? Oh, yeah. The Lord is able to take a dirty old rotten sinner, transform them, make them into something brand new. Let's read the verses. I beseech you therefore, brethren... And perfect will of God. Let's pray together, Father, Lord. I bow in your presence this morning, asking for your help, Lord. If uh, if I could preach, it wouldn't do no good, Lord. Unless you come by, congregation this size, Lord. There's people that need you to do a transformation in their life. God, folks that are headed in the wrong direction that need to turn around. Lord, people that are involved in things they hadn't ought to be involved in that need to get out of it. I could go talk to them, Lord, and I've thought about it, but it probably wouldn't do no good. But if the Holy Spirit would speak to their hearts today, If you'd go to their pew this morning and make the message real personal, then changes could be made. You could transform them. I'm asking, Lord, would you do that? I pray, Lord, that you'd go up this left-hand side, up and down the aisles. I'm praying that you'd go right here in the middle, up and down the aisles on this right-hand side, up and down the aisles. I'm praying, Lord, that you would stop at the hearts of the people that need it and that you'd take our feeble words and what we would try to say and that you'd apply them to their lives. God, make this a service that they would never forget. We'll thank you and praise you for all that you do, for it's in Jesus' name we ask these things. Through his blood we pray. Amen and amen. I laid a little groundwork last week. I said... A lot of times we're sick of ourselves. A lot of you are sick of yourself. You try and do better and try and try and try, but it seems like a lot of times we take two steps forward and four steps back, and a lot of times you just feel like throwing up your hands and saying, I just can't do it, I quit. The problem is that we're trying to do it. Instead of allowing the Lord to do it in us, We try it ourselves. Last week, and I don't know how many weeks I'm going to preach on this thought of transformed, I guess until I see some transformations. (laughs) Last week I pointed out on the conversion of transformation. The Bible said, I beseech you therefore, brethren, you can't ever have God transform you until you've first been to the foot of the cross and been washed in the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. There's a lot of people getting the cart before the horse. They're trying 12-step programs. Uh, They're trying something they've watched on TV. They're trying something they've read in the book. And they never can do any better because they never have been blood washed. But if you've been blood washed, then suddenly God can make a difference in your life. So we talked a little bit about that word brethren and we talked a little bit about the, uh, the the necessity of conversion. If you're going to... Uh, If you're going to be changed, this morning I want us to think about uh, the section there where the Bible said, uh, by the mercies of God. And I'm going to deal with that in just a minute. But before I deal with it, can I say to you this morning that God put me in a front row seat this week of the transformation power of the gospel? Look at these front rows, they're filled up, these kids are energized. I saw Brother Neil with my own eyes what can happen in teenagers' lives when you take their phones away from them and fill them up with God. You allow you allow you allow them to get preaching two or three times a day and singing nonstop and take them cell phones away. And what it translates into is two rows, three rows. Uh, full of young people that are energized and interested and ready to do something for God and the same God that is able to transform them this week is the same God that can do something in the middle aged person's heart and in the older person's heart and in all the youth's heart. That's the same God that can transform everybody in this building. I watched it I saw it happen. Prior to camp starting, several of the teenagers tried to back out on going to camp. Too many rules. I had people that I talked to and I said, listen, just come to camp. It might be life-changing. The first day of camp, uh, uh, Susan worked like a a parole officer taking up cell phones. Uh, Them kids walked in church, their faces droopy, their eyes was angry. They thought, boy, what have I got myself into? But you know what I told you last, what was that three weeks ago? There's a distraction. There's a distraction in society that if we want to get along with God, we're going to have to make a, a conscious effort to get rid of the distractions. I believe it's why we don't see any power of God in our, in our in our age. It's because we're distracted by media and we're distracted by all the things going on in the world. And we've got to get rid of the distractions. Distractions and get interested in God. And then and only then can God do a transforming work in our lives. God is a transforming God. And He wants to make a better parent out of you. He wants to make a better grandparent out of you. He wants to make a better Sunday school teacher out of you. He wants to make a better dad out of you. A better mom, a better brother, a better sister. God wants to do a work in your heart. Hey, listen to me this morning. Some of you have walked in here. Boy, and I'm just getting ready to preach. You better, you better buckle down because here it comes. Some of you have walked in here for weeks with hurt feelings. You've got your feelings on the sleeve not heard anything from God. That ain't nobody's fault but yours. Yeah, that's exactly right. God's still on the throne. The Bible's still real. Don't make me call names. I'm telling you, the Bible's still real and God's still a somebody say amen. And if you want God to work in your life, he can. If you want God to do a work in your heart, he can. But there is a transformative power of the Spirit and that is what the church needs say this. Church don't need a bunch of programs. Church don't need a bunch of fancy things. I'll tell you what the church needs. The church needs a power of the Holy Spirit of God. Working it, amen. working in some hearts. Hey, I may not know much, Kevin, but I know when I've got an in line from heaven. Amen. I've been along with God. I know when God's been speaking. I ain't as dumb as you think I am. Amen. I'm going to tell you this morning what we need is God to move. There's a lot of things I'd like to move Move on. There's a lot of things I'd like to say and do. Amen. And it ain't because I'm afraid to do it. Hey, you know me. I, I'm, I'm too stupid to scare easy. Amen. It's not because I'm afraid to say it. But what, it won't do any good if I say it. I can, I can meddle and talk and do until I'm blue in the face. And the next week, Brother Neil, we're right back in the same mess we were in to begin with. But if the good God of heaven I will speak to our hearts, if the good God of heaven will talk to us then all of a sudden there's a difference there's a difference made some of you said well I ain't heard from heaven in a long long time whose fault is that let's just get right down where it's at whose fault is it if you ain't heard from heaven you say, "Well, it's the preacher's fault. It's some people I don't like's fault. It's this fault." Let me tell you something. If you want to hear from heaven, God, and you're saved, God wants to speak to you, and it's and it's nobody's fault. Listen now. When I don't hear from heaven, and when I can't hear from God, that ain't nobody's fault but Bradley's. That's exactly. Hey, that's exactly right. It ain't nobody's fault but Bradley's fault. Sometimes, Brother Neil, I get cold and indifferent on God. I get out of God's will. I get the, amen now, get the pooch mouth. Hey, hey. But what I need when I get in them situations is to get back under the spout where the glory comes out. I tell God I'm wrong. I tell God he's right. Amen. And ask for God to speak to my heart again. Hey, can I say this to you this morning? Ain't nothing like hearing from the Good God of heaven. Ain't nothing like the glory bells down inside your soul. Ain't nothing like getting the cane helmets while riding down the road. When God makes Himself real in your life, I'm going to tell you this morning what we need is the transformation of the Spirit. Now, I want to submit to you today that you and I, you and I can be transformed. But if we're to be made better and if we're to be used of God, it's going to be through and by his mercy. Look what what Paul said. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. Now I want you to notice this. Listen to me. I want you to note this. Romans chapter number 1 through chapter number 11, Paul lays out the, the basics of the faith. All of them grand doctrines of the church. You'll find in the first 11 chapters of the book of Romans. He lays out these great, uh, these great things. And then he says, he uses the word, therefore. <laughs> therefore. He lays out the foundation. He gives a skeleton. And what basically what he's going to say is now... I, I'm going to put some meat on the bones. I've told you what it is to be a Christian. Now I'm going to tell you how to apply that in your life. And that therefore at the beginning of chapter 12 points back to those great truths that were taught in the first 11 chapters about God being a God of mercy. Can I say to you this morning, if you and I are gonna be made anything, if you and I are gonna be transformed, it's not gonna be because we merited it. It's not gonna be because we're good enough. It's not gonna be because we're holy enough that it'll be by the mercies of the Amen the mercies of the Almighty. Oh yes, I thought about this morning the explanation of God's mercy. Aren't you glad this morning that God is a God of mercy? How many of you agree with me right here? All throughout my life, God should have snuffed me out. Really, this morning, I ought to be dead and in hell. Amen, if I got what I deserve this morning, Brother Herod, I'd be bobbing up and down the lake of fire, screaming for a drink of water. But God in his mercy, amen, Brother Karen. He's a God of mercy. Do you know this? The prayer of mercy is the most oft prayed prayer in the Bible. People ask for mercy in the Bible more than they ask for anything else. And you know what? Now I challenge you. You just look at it. And see if I ain't right. I don't find a single place in the Bible where God ever asked anybody for mercy. That God, did, or when where anybody ever asked God for mercy, that God didn't give them mercy. You know why? Because He's a God of mercy. I said he's a God of mercy. I'm going to tell you this morning, friend, everybody in here was a sinner by birth and a sinner by choice. Everybody in here, thank God, I was on your way to hell. But God in his mercy. Now I want you to notice what Paul said here. Paul said by the mercies of God. Did you see how Paul put it in the plural? He didn't say by the mercy of God. He didn't say I beseech you by the mercy of God. Oh no, he said I beseech you by the mercies of God. Did you know that in the Hebrew, hey man, Miss Karen, there is not a, the word for mercy in the Hebrew is always in the plural. There's not a word in Hebrew for one mercy. No, sir, it's always in the plural. Here, Paul is indicating that by putting this in the plural. I, you say, Preacher, what are you trying to say? I, we don't have a God of one mercy, we don't have a God of some mercy, we don't even have a God of several mercies. We've got a God this morning uh, of unending mercy. Amen. 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 He woke, hey, I woke up this morning and God was still merciful to me a sinner. <laughs> as sorry as I am I'm about running shout as terrible as I am as sorry as I am I'm going to tell you I woke up this morning and God was still merciful His mercy is new every morning His grace is extended to me again and again and again and again I'm glad that He is a hey, God of mercy mercies said I beseech you therefore brethren by the mercies of God. So we see there is an explanation of God's mercy. Then I want to talk about an examination of God's mercy. What in the world is Paul talking about? Well, he has spent 11 chapters telling people about how God is merciful. Follow me through the book of Romans chapters one through three. Paul lays out the case against mankind and here's what he says. He says the Gentile is guilty. The Jew is guilty. And then he says the whole world is guilty. Yeah. Romans chapter number three, verse 23 says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So if you're breathing breath this morning, you're guilty. You're guilty, you're guilty, you're guilty. But you know what? he goes on he don't stop there uh, in the next few chapters paul talks about the mercy of god uh, and he points out uh, that justification has, or that justification has been shown unto us uh, in chapters 4 through 5. He shows us that we've got victory over our flesh. In chapter 6. He shows us that we've won liberty from the law. In chapter 7. He shows us that we have security in the spirit. In chapter 8. In other words, what he's saying is everybody is guilty, guilty, guilty. But God has extended his love toward us. As a matter of fact, in Romans 5, 8. He said, but God. Amen commendeth his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners Christ died for us. Hey, look back at the mercies of God. Look how he saved you. Look how he freed you. Look how he put you at liberty. Look how he changed your life. Look how he set your feet upon a solid rock. Look how he's established your goings. Look how He secured you in the believer. And so Paul is pointing back to all them chapters and saying a Again and again and again and again and again. God has been merciful. I'm headed somewhere, hang on. And then there is the emancipation of God's mercy. I want you to think about something. God said, Paul said, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you smit your bodies to live living sacrifice holy except on the Lord. And so what Paul said is, he said, listen, I'm asking. You know why? Because a saved person has choice. They can choose to not submit to God and live a unjoyful, unholy life, if that's what they want. They can choose to do that. Or they can choose to serve God, live for God, have joy in their heart. They choose that. When you're lost in your sin, you've got no choice. Now just think about that. This crowd is lost. They say, oh, we're free, live free, born free. No, they're not. They do whatever sin says. Hey, you take a drunkard, take his bottle away from him, and you tell him he's free. He'll do whatever he has to do to get that bottle back because he ain't free, he's bound. You take a drug addict, take his needle away from him, and then say, you're free. No, he'll do anything he can to get that needle back in his arm. Why? Because he's bound. You take somebody that's hooked on pornography, take their computer away from, say, you're free. You know what they do? They do anything, get that computer back because they're banned. But I'm telling you, when, when Jesus makes you free, if the Son should make you free, you should be free indeed. And when the Lord makes you free, brother, Neil, I, all of a sudden, you've got the, you've got the ability to choose. I, You can choose to live in sin. You can choose, amen, not to fulfill the law of God, but follow after the lust of the flesh. You can choose to do that, or you can choose to have joy in your heart, have contentment in your soul. Amen. Hey, have a song on your lips. You can choose to sacrifice yourself and live for God and be happy if you want to. But it's a choice you have to make. Watch this. God don't make you. You know what I wish he liked? Sometimes I wish his pastor I pastor a church. Sometimes I wish God hog hogtie somebody. I didn't. I wish he'd saw them, hogtie them, and drag them. And then get them to the altar and beat them till they done right. And then every time they mess up, beat them some more. But then I get the thing about all the times I mess up. I'm like, boy, I guess I'm glad it don't work that way. So God doesn't force anybody to serve him. Rather, he beseeches them. That's what Paul's talking about here. He said, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. You know what Paul's saying here? He's saying, when you consider how good God has been to you, how could you not have a desire to serve him? We've talked a little bit about the reasoning, that word therefore, but here's really where I wanted to get to preach. I want to preach on the reaction to God's mercy. Paul said, God's been good to you. See, this is how God works it's the goodness of God that leadeth to repentance. God could stand over us and threaten us. This verse, Brother Neil, could say, if you don't sacrifice yourself, there's going to be consequences. You'll pay. You're, 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 boy, the bad things is going to happen. Get ready for terrible life. That could say all that, but it's not what it said. Paul said, think about how good God has been in your life. Think about how you, when you said headed to hell, uh, he rescued, snatched you out of the fire. Uh, think about how he saved you. How could you not sacrifice yourself uh, to a God that is oh boy, to a God that has been so good, uh, to a God that has saved you? How could you not consider the mercies of God? How could you not sacrifice yourself? You say, preacher, I thought you was preaching on the transformative power of God. This is what I'm preaching on. But I'm going to tell you this morning, if you want transformed, it starts with you. It starts by bringing yourself to an altar, laying it out on the altar and saying, here am I, Lord, send me. The natural reaction to God being so good It's for us to say, Lord, I want to serve you no matter what. I want to talk to you a little bit about that this morning. Now, somebody might say, Preacher, I got all I needed when I got saved. There's no need in me doing anything else. Brother Rudy made this statement this week, and I thought it was outstanding. He said, "While while you may have gotten all of God when you got saved... God did not get all of you. You know what God wants? God don't want your money. God God don't want your stuff. God wants you. God wants you. Brother Milton gave an illustration this week about an Indian. I'd heard it before, but I think it fits right here. An old Indian got saved. He came back to the church. He told the preacher, preacher, God wants Indians tomahawk. Gave him the tomahawk. Came back the next Sunday and he said, preacher, God wants Indians bow and arrow. Gave the bow and arrow. Came back the next Sunday and he said, preacher, God wants Indians teepee. So he gave the teepee. The next Sunday, the Indian walked down an aisle, tears rolling down his face. He said, preacher, God wants Indian. That's what God wanted all along. God took Abraham up, Moriah, not because he wanted Isaac. Because he wanted Abraham. All of him. All of him. So our journey over the next few weeks, and I feel like God, I feel like God wants to do, really do something in our midst. I'm trying not to start crying because once I do I don't stop, but I don't want to not like crying because I remember Miss Pansy told me one time not to never apologize for tears. But uh, so I'll just sit here and cry. I think God wants to do something for you. For you. And then, if God will do something for you, I think He wants to do something for all. But see, it starts with you. It starts with you saying, I'm going to move in the direction of the Lord. I want Him to have me. I may not have much, but I want Him to have it. So if we're going to have a a transforming process, if in the next few weeks our church is going to be different, if individuals are going to be different, it starts by you saying, you know what? He's right. I have walked in here with hurt feelings for two or three weeks, and that ain't right. You know what? The preacher's right. I have been living in a way that I hadn't ought to live, and that ain't right. You know what? The preacher's right. I can blame everybody else in this church for my spiritual problem, but when it boils down to it, it's me, Lord. I need to get in that altar. His mercies is why. How silly one day when we stand before the judgment seat of Christ and he says, why did you become idle on me? Lord those people hurt my feelings how silly why did you become idle on me Lord that girl I was dating she was so important to me why did you become idle on me Lord that addiction that I had to those things I was looking at they just ruled my life why did you become idle on me see the span of eternity, it doesn't seem to make a whole lot of sense, does it? Now, I think about the mercies of God and I think about how good God has been, and it makes me want to give myself. Watch this there is a sacrifice embodied. God wants us. He wants you. He wants you willfully, no strings attached. He wants you holy, no holding back. And He wants you to offer it with worship. Sacrifice and worship always goes together. You know what worship, real worship is? Real worship could be said worship. It's me going, Lord, you're everything and I'm nothing. God, you're big and I'm small. God, you're everything. That's real worship and that's what God wants from you this morning. I'd crawl to this altar if I had to. I'm right now done. There's the sacrifice that's enabled. God said, present your bodies... A living sacrifice. Now, in the Old Testament, all the sacrifices were dead. Couldn't do nothing with a dead sacrifice. It's dead. God said, We want one living. You know why? Because God is going to do something in you, He wants to do something with you. I'm going to embarrass Noah. Come here, Noah. We've we've ragged him all week over his falling incident. But I was proud of him. He was just trying to get out of there and run away. I could tell you some stories that make you proud of this boy this week. i seen him make a move. Let me tell you something. And I hope this don't bother you, but I'm, I'm, I told somebody, I said in a lot of ways, I told another preacher this week, I said in a lot of ways, Noah is one of the most unlikely candidates I know of for God to do anything with. He's rambunctious. He's boisterous. A lot of times he gets his mouth in gear before he gets his brain in gear. You know what? Am I telling it right? Let me tell you somebody that was that same way a lot of times. That was a man by the name of Peter. And there was a few nights this week I saw him crawl on an altar and I said, you know what? God might make something out of that boy yet. Makes me mad sometimes. I want to wring his neck. I want to wring his ever loving neck. You can't hurt his feelings. I've talked to him, and the, nobody in here got no excuse to be mad at me because I've talked rougher to Noah than anybody. In, I've talked rougher to Noah than anybody I've ever pastured in my life. Because I want to see him do good. <laughs> what I'm trying to say is this God wants a living sacrifice, God wants to do something in Noah's life. He wants to do something in your life. But he can't do it as long as you're holding anything back. You say, boy, I'd like to be powerful. I'd like to be used to the Lord. Give it all. How much does God want all of it? He wants you. You know why that's called an altar? An altar was a place where a sacrifice was elevated to God and consumed. When they got done with the sacrifice at the tabernacle, there was nothing left of it. They'd sift through the ashes till all the bones was gone. See, if you want to be transformed, if you want to have the power of the Almighty working through and in your life, the very first step is to say, Lord, I don't want to be me anymore. I don't want life to be about me. I don't want to be so self-absorbed that I think it's got to be the way I want it. No, Lord. I want to lay myself out on that altar. I want to give it to you lock, stock, and barrel. You take every last piece of me. I'm holding nothing back. This is me. I want you to take it and mean it with all your heart and watch God do a work in your life. Many years ago, there's a man preaching in a revival He said, it's yet to be seen what God could do with a man that would fully yield himself to him. There was a young man standing in the back who had just got saved in a Chicago shoe store. He stood up and he said, Preacher, by God's grace, I'll be that man. Left out of that meeting, nobody knew who he was. Somebody said, who was that nappy-headed kid that come in here and said he was going to be, by God's grace, going to be everything. I don't know, some old boy named Moody. I think it was Dwight Lyman. God can do something in your life. The choice is yours. If you want to be hurt, go to your grave hurt. You want to be bitter, go to your grave very bitter. You want to be mad, Go to your grave mad. If that's what you want to do, God ain't going to force you. I could come talk to you, but it wouldn't do you no good. If you want to be indifferent, go to your grave indifferent. That's up to you. God's going to let you decide. You're free to decide. But if there's something on the inside tugging, saying, son, I'd like something better for your life. I'd like something better for your life. And there's an altar. Let's stand our feet. Father, Lord Jesus, would you help us to move in your direction? Lord, individuals, church folk, Lord, lay upon this altar a sacrifice, a living sacrifice. Lord, a desire to do better. A desire to be transformed. A desire to have a different life. A desire to be made new again. A desire to be used, Lord, for your power to fill us. God, these young boys, these young preachers, these young people, God, I pray that you'd fill them with a stir like we've not seen in years around this church. God, our older people, Lord, I pray, God, that you'd stir their hearts with a stir like we've never seen around this church. I pray, God, that hurt feelings would be mended, that problems would be solved, that hearts would be healed, that everything would be helped. God, I pray that you'd use our church. God, send revival. God, stir our hearts again from heaven. God, do a work, Lord, in our midst. Oh, we thank you for what you're doing around here, Lord. <laughs> thank you for what you're doing. Alders full, but there's still room for you. There's still room for you. I'm going to pray. Sometimes I just got to go pray. If you need to come while I'm praying, you come. Come.